Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 27. In this episode, a couple of my friends and I talk about the tension that exists between a desire in Christianity to have doctrinal rigidity and the desire to have a sense of unity that transcends different denominational barriers. Um, We talk about the concept pretty generally at first, but then eventually we get into some specific issues uh, that have divided Christians historically and even in the culture today, and we discuss the extent to which those should be issues that divide and the extent to which there can be grace to work alongside of other followers of Jesus who might disagree with us in various aspects of our theology. So if that sounds interesting to you, give it a listen. I hope you enjoy. Hey guys. Hey. How are y'all doing? Good. Good. Here on a Tuesday mm. instead of our normal Monday. On a Tuesday? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you don't understand the reference because you're I know, it's a song. Well, I'm a Christian. <laughs> I'm a Christian, so I don't listen to music. Um, I actually don't even know the song. No, you don't listen to any music. No, that's probably yeah. like any music. So you're a any church. Music. You're a Church of Christ then. Is what it is. Oh wow, we're just Disciple. jumping right in here. Huh? Disciples. You know, I think what we're all the disciples. Of I think we're all the Church of Christ. Like anyone who believes that there is a god like i think that's the real church of christ you know <laughs> coexist man coexist that's, so everyone is the true church separate atheists type of well they believe in a god no they just believe in a man they believe in multiple god. gods actually yeah. you know I, no one is more theistic than mormons really? because yeah. they believe in infinite gods that's true yeah. well, so, so hindus right no, not infinite. They Hindus would believe that there are like thousands, if not millions, of gods, but not <laughs> infinite. No one is as theistic as Mormons, and that's why they're right. And they ride bicycles. They ride bicycles. They wear helmets and short sleeve, white button down <laughs> shirts. <laughs> right. And you'll see a sixteen year old kid with a tag that says Elder. Uh, there was Craig elder, or yeah. something. Hey, aren't you sixteen? <clears throat> What's the Looney Tune that Elmer, Elder Elmer? <laughs> I think I had an Elder Elmer or Elder Fud, or was it Fud? It was one of those because they just always remind me of Looney Tunes. Probably the former. Yeah. So I have a hard time believing that there's anyone with the actual last name Fud. If there is, look us up. Let well, us know. Us <laughs> Click the link below. Click the link below <laughs> on this audio-only podcast. Remember. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, kind of teasing at the subject. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about Christian unity. Mm. But before and... we get there, let's clear up the Mormon thing real quick. <laughs> Why? Why? No, I'm just kidding. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I don't actually believe that Mormons are the true church of Jesus 
if that's you know the... and you wouldn't include them in this topic of christian music. yeah so the the topic that uh the reason that i'm actually talking about this is because uh i've recently listened to another podcast so a podcast inspired by a podcast hmm. um and this was a podcast with someone that is very uh popular in christian circles francis chan uh wrote the book crazy love erasing hell uh he's just come out with a book called I think it's called Unity Matters or something like that. Um, no, it's Until Unity. Until Unity, of course. It's the quote from Ephesians 4. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was thinking of something else. Anyway. Um, I feel like there's like a bunch of books that are blank matters. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Matters. Yeah. So in his book, Until Unity Matters. <laughs> uh, so, so he's gotten some flack. He's a guy that I really have loved... Um, listening to and especially listening to his sermons from let's say back in like 08 09 2010 around that era um when i was kind of getting into um reading a more diverse selection of christian writers because his heart just seemed so big and he's gotten some flack in the last i'd say five or maybe even more years um because he's been more comfortable let's say, like, praying at a gathering of Catholics or, you know, attending a service that's like a... Well, he actually would consider himself more charismatic now. And this is a guy that, like, he graduated from the Master's Seminary, which is John MacArthur's Seminary, very, you know, straight-laced, conservative, right-wing, button-down, um, Reformed Baptist <clears throat> Seminary. Are you going to die? No, I just have allergies. Do I need hopefully to social not. distance? Yeah, no, it's not something else. I got I'm first dose vaccinated. Still pretty much vaccinated. <laughs> so did you fine. really did you really get the yes, vaccine? Yes. Yeah. Oh, cool, man. Yeah. Why did you decide to do that? Well, he hates well liberty. it has so anyway. to do with this subject. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, vaccinations matters. Yeah. Until <laughs> hashtag until unity until, vaccination Until okay. fully vaccinated. Uh <laughs> Yeah, so he's caught flack for that. And then just listening to him with this podcast is like, okay, I I really would like to sit down and talk with him, but I don't have access to him. Is and you guys are like flack, the next best thing. Is flack the opposite of slack? Flack is the opposite of credibility. Um, so he's gotten a lot Cut of... Me some slack, okay, man. <laughs> Fla- you know where that comes from, right? Cut like me some flack. Flack gun. Like a flak yeah. jacket. And those flak jackets protect you from the shrapnel. It right. doesn't matter. Like, we would be shooting that with a flak gun right yeah. now. I'm editing in <laughs> these sound effects <laughs> to really familiarize the, the listener with the idea of what a flak jacket yeah. is. Anyway, um, so, my thought is, you know, I, I want to be theologically rigorous, and I want to take theology seriously while at the same time not being so rigid as to dismiss out of hand any type of participation with Christians who don't hold exactly the same views that I do, okay? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, well, what do you mean by not exactly the same views? Because obviously a Mormon would say that they're Christian, and I'm like, sorry, dude, you know, you believe in infinite gods and a bunch of other weird stuff, so no dice. And then there's the obvious, like, oh, well, I'm a Reformed Baptist, and I'm... Let's just say, for the sake of argument, that I'm post-millennial, mm-hmm. and then there's this other guy who's historic pre-millennial, 
in their eschatology and it's like well okay i am comfortable working along of course of course you guys would be comfortable not just working alongside of each other but let's say that travis you had a church and you were a pastor of that church you would be comfortable bringing on such a person as an elder okay so what do i say is is my chief concern that one day i'm going to stand before god in judgment and say don't worry god i didn't let any presbyterians serve communion at my church like i didn't let any pedo baptists um or like i didn't let any charismatics anyone who believed that tongues was legitimately a gift for today that i didn't let them you know don't worry god i didn't let them pray in my church um and that's not going to be the chief concern and there are a lot of people who are of these different differing views that seem to really love jesus treat the word with the utmost of integrity hate sin and battle against sin and seek to perfect holiness and community together and it's like if that person is a fill in the blank what should my relationship to him or her be so yeah i've been talking for a while what do you guys think when you hear that concept i think it's a natural point to be in eventually in your walk like because uh I mean, unless you live in a bubble and obviously there would be people <clears throat> who live in a bubble um you're like going when you're growing up when you grow up yeah, yeah. uh you, you're you're going to come into contact with people of different denominations different interfaith i guess beliefs it's the right way of putting ecumenical it. ecumenical yeah. um but it's uh so like for me um you know, I grew up Roman Catholic, and I knew there were Christians, really. What was meant by Christians were Protestants, right? Mm -hmm. But I didn't realize the diversity in Protestantism until I became one. And then I went to a college that had its own tradition, but they, the, the body of the college was, you know, there were people, Christians of all different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. uh, some who were more Reformed, <clears throat> others are much more charismatic. Others who were Mormon. <laughs> Mormon and Jehovah. Did, no. Okay. I was going to ask, did you have any Mormons go there? No. I think not. we had a Jehovah Witness, though. And we had some Messianic yeah. Jews. Oh, well, that, I mean, my understanding, Messianic Jews are just Christians who happen to ethnically be Jewish. It's, it's more. But I know that there's, yeah. yeah. But, um. Dispensationalists. <clears throat> so, um, I think you're going to, if, if you realize that, I think then questions are going to be asked and. You know, you know, seek the differences in the in the doctrines, and then come to a point where it's like, what's really important? And you know, I don't want to be too closed off to other groups, but mm -hmm. is it okay to uh, compromise? Is it really a compromise or not? Um, and I think you you kind of have to. Eventually, you're going to start narrowing, I guess, the groups down because you're going to have to define what a Christian is. Then, yeah, it's like there's going to be concentric circles of yeah. like, okay, these. I, I'm not talking at all about compromising my own right. beliefs, but it's like, okay, if I'm a pastor and these are my beliefs, these are the people I would feel comfortable bringing on board as elders. Then the next circle out, people that I'd be comfortable serving at my church. The next right. circle out, um, churches that I'd be comfortable affiliating with and doing, you know, let's say charity work and things like that alongside of um so sorry i cut you off no that's fine 
this no uh, just going off of that um you know like who what you believe in and who you bring on as elders it that's going to shape your own local body they're going to be yeah. discipled in that way and so it's going to be different from the other churches that you affiliate with mm-hmm. and it's just like i guess you'd have to decide is there detriment affiliating with these churches is there a detriment with allowing all kinds of groups into mm. my flock if you will yeah um when it comes to how i believe they should be discipled yeah and so you i think you're gonna have to come up with uh criteria that you're comfortable with in trying to discern that um but it's 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 difficult like i you know one of the first issues actually i'll talk about two first issues that were prevalent and and that, that i came across um, right away as being a Protestant was when it came when it comes to baptism, right? Okay. What do you guys believe in baptism? And then uh, the other subject was the sovereignty of God. What you believe mm-hmm. about the sovereignty of God? And there's you know obviously there's differences yeah. there, and there's denominations that historically have believed in one of those one of those one way or another when it comes to those kind of subjects. So. Is baptism something that you can just believe, I guess, kind of whatever, like kind of be loose on your beliefs on? Is is the sovereignty of God something that you can kind of be loose on or or not? I, I don't know. I think it's what's kind of... I, I think what winds up... Well, were you going to say something? Well, I think what winds up being a really practical outworking of this. So I'm thinking, okay, in terms of youth group, um, you know, I lead the youth group at our church. And so I teach them. I mean, I'm at a, I'm at a church where all of our elders are continuationists they all believe that miracles tongues signs things like that do continue until today even though thank god they don't practice them and we've never had them practiced at our church and there's a blessed inconsistency there but i teach in the youth group when i teach about those things i'm like look i'm i'm the guy who's up here right now and so uh i'm gonna (laughs) teach you cessationism and i'll i'll teach you the view of the church and the elders and everything and you know I'll, i'll I, I'm going to give them a fair shake, but I'll tell you why I don't believe that. And, you know, I think that there's a trust when it comes to the elders and me that I'm not I'm not defaming them or anything like that. But in a sense, it's like I almost feel like this is like this is the kind of podcast where if I record it, it's could really come back to bite me in the future. But it's like I don't care. I just want to have an authentic conversation about this. OK, would I go to a would I take my students to a youth camp where our church will be intermingling with and and kind of worshiping alongside of, uh, let's say, a church with a female pastor or let's say a church with, uh, you know, people who are open to uh, tongues and sign gifts. So part of that is, do I believe that these people, misled as they are, are true brothers and sisters in Christ and do truly have a heart for God a regenerated spirit, and a love of the gospel. And then the other thing is, do I trust the Holy Spirit, and do I trust God that, like, look, my students, they might get, quote, led astray, end quote, into, like, thinking that, oh, like, uh, you know, a a woman can be a pastor, or that, um, you know, this guy's leg grew, and so that was God healing him or whatever. Uh is that the end of the world for that person? Um, now people would say slippery slope, you know, you don't want to allow 
for any of that stuff. But my thing is, I would teach them. You know, I would teach them. Look, you know, this other church has a has a female pastor, and you guys know where I stand on that. And like, if you have any questions about it, come to me, and I'll take you to the Word. And if if she wanted to engage me in a conversation, you know, we could have a cordial conversation. But kind of allowing allowing the peripheral things to be peripheral, and not as I grew up treating every single hill like it's the hill that you must die on um not again not that i would compromise on my own beliefs but it's like would i be comfortable going to a worship service with you know those types of people um or even it's like you got to judge everybody on an individual basis like even a catholic who does not have a salvific view of the sacraments like they're they're saved because of having checked off certain boxes or done more good deeds and earned their way into heaven like but someone who has a more historical catholic understanding than like a council of trent type of understanding of of the function of sacraments and works um but they still would identify as roman catholic or eastern orthodox or like you know how far afield am i comfortable going it's like mm, I think that's a bridge too far yeah the freedom that Francis Chan has right now is that <clears throat> he's really not a shepherd of any flock and so yeah. he's sort of venturing out doing this exploration of um, the denominations mm-hmm. and um, what have you so I don't think he's uh really thinking in these categories or even trying to create these, you know, movements. Yeah. Or, uh, just, uh, like the concentric circles and stuff like that. Okay. Like, I don't think yeah. he's really thinking that way. I think he's just, you know, gung ho going for it yeah. and then just trying to figure it out as he goes. Or like it will figure itself out in the wake of whatever I do. Or God will show up in some powerful <laughs> way. Yeah. It's yeah. a miraculous way to unify us as we step into these these areas where we're not really sure if we should or not, or we've been told that we yeah that that's a slippery slope or something like that. So and that's I mean, the freedom that he has. But so I mean, just to kind of give credit where it's due, like the podcast that I'm talking to is on a it's a guy named Preston Sprinkle, and so Francis Chang was on that guy's podcast, and this was. I think just a few days ago, so maybe like May fifth, two thousand twenty-one. Oh. Um, but is he the one who also graduated from masters? Correct. Oh, yeah, okay. he, he did I, also. I think I, I think I saw. He that did one. also graduate from masters, and just a few of the things that Chan said that really broke my heart is he goes, "Look, I've been thinking this way, pretty much the whole time since I got out of seminary. Is like, I don't want to feel like I'm this arrogant. Like I have the truth, and everybody who disagrees with me on anything is apostate." Um, but I never felt like I had the freedom to, to speak like that, partially because of my alma mater and then partially just because of, you know, the expectations on me. And so I was like, well, you know, I guess I'll just focus a lot on, uh, like adopting kids and feeding the poor and taking care of the needy, because those are things that everyone will be on board with me about. And like, we can be unified with um and i was i never felt comfortable even speaking to my own congregation freely about all of this but then he also talked about having a conversation with john MacArthur and just really like really brokenhearted and being like look i mean you've said all these things about me and like you've never called and said like hey i'm i'm worried about you and i'm i'm afraid that you might be 
going, you know, in a, in a troubling direction. And John MacArthur, like, said, well, you know, I've, I've been very careful. I've never, like, said your name or anything like that. And he goes, yeah, but, like, everyone knows. Everyone knows who you're talking about when you say those sorts of things. And, um, and MacArthur goes, yeah, well, I'm, you know, I'm just worried for you. He's like, okay, well, like, be worried for me and, like, give me a call. And, like, let's go out for lunch or coffee or something. And it's like, man, I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for MacArthur. And I think that Christianity needs those bulwarks of theological rigidity um, just to kind of help orient um, the movement. But at the same time, it's like in a conversation like that, I'd have a hard time feeling like MacArthur's in the right, you know, um, it is an issue where, and, and I get it, like Chan's a public figure. And so if he's making public mistakes, then he, th they should be publicly addressed. But at the same time, like there just needs to be a heart for restoration of a brother instead of like, take note of Francis Chan because the direction he's going is a direction you don't want to be going in and just kind of malign, not maligning, you know, I don't, I really don't want to be unfair in the way that I'm presenting any of this, but it's like, I get it, you know, because I have this tension inside me. It's like, part of me wants to be very theologically right about everything, because I know the danger of leading people in a wrong direction. We've talked about this with regard to divorce and even with regard, okay, let's say I open up a kid to continuationism and then that puts them on a path toward like stinking you know, at a young age, like seances and Ouija boards and just being open to whatever the spirits have to say to them. And then they get into the occult. But at the same time, it's like, I just got to trust God. So, but I think Chan, Kevin, kind of like you were saying, he has a freedom that not a lot of people have, which is called millions of dollars. Yeah, yeah. Respects. You know, I'm sure he gave away freedom, 90% of it. But. His freedom is uh, limited to, um, like, he uh, doesn't have, a like, a shepherd or, or, or a flock, I mean, to, like, think about as he's making yeah. his decisions. But and worry still, about leading astray, yeah. Like, he's still, uh, you know, if he's leading people astray, which I don't think he is, but... Um, he, he could still be leading people astray because he has so many people who follow yeah. his, his, like, career and stuff like his that. His so. cult of personality. Yeah. yeah. Um, What's interesting, though, I'll just add this because I just thought about it, but um, he took he took a picture with Benny Hinn mm -hmm. at that, um, that event. It was called The Send. Mm -hmm. And uh, Todd White was there as well. But apparently Benny Hinn wasn't wasn't originally supposed to be in the yeah, picture, and yeah. then he just walks up. He's like, "Hey, can I jump in there?" Yeah. And Francis is like, "Well, uh, like, what do I say? Right. <laughs> do I say no? Like, I'd rather not be in a picture with you." I'm gonna be fried for this, basically. But yeah. yeah. Sure. Come on. Yeah, and and so that was I a little bit of, you know, a little unlucky. But... Gosh, but at the same time, it's like good, you know, like if like let the people who will talk, without doing their due diligence to look into the circumstances, just let them talk. You know, and, um, you know, I, I've faced and am currently facing like some defamation type of stuff. But it's like, as I feel like as long as I'm trying to carry myself well, then it's like, OK, let people who are going to talk, talk. And I'll just, you know, worry about pursuing holiness and I'll let God vindicate me. Or maybe it'll it won't be in this life that he vindicates me. Maybe he'll bless me with 
prison time and with, you know, all the, I mean, not that the things I'm being defamed for are, you know, illegal, anything like that. But, um, yeah, just like kind of let, let God, let God sort through all that kind of stuff and just kind of trust him. But he said, even like the, the, did you hear about the story of, cause he went out to dinner with a bunch of them and Benny Hinn was there mm-hmm. and, and then he told Benny Hinn was telling them that he had gone down a really bad path. Yeah, Benny Hinn, like, when they got their food, he was like, you guys start eating, and I just have some stuff that I want to say. And, uh, you know, basically, I feel like I've not been close to Jesus for decades, and um, I feel like I've lost my anointing. And uh, he basically told Francis Chan, like, you know, don't fall in love with money and don't fall in love with, like, the fame and the notoriety um, because there's still hope for you in a way that I feel like there's not hope for me anymore. And then, you know, I, I also don't want to give Benny Hinn too much credit because boy, he sure like that wasn't the end of his sinful career, like preaching a false prosperity gospel and you'll know them by their fruits, not so much their, um, sincere sounding words of I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, like I, it's like, I, I think what, that in that I moment, him to even go to that dinner, say that, or no, him, him for even I, I think that's that. because he legitimately feels that way. And he was just kind of letting himself be vulnerable. But at the same time, I'm like, I feel like that is Chan forgiving his brother seven times, 70 times and being, and it's like, look, I get that it's not the same like, oh, he hit me versus, oh, he preached a false gospel that led millions of people in a bad direction. I get that that's not the same, but it's like if you want to fall into the ditch of mercy or legalism, like mercy that gets taken advantage of or legalism, I, it's like I'd rather be in the ditch of mercy. So, yeah. But then it's like, well, they're not just taking advantage of your kindness. Like they're also leading a bunch of people astray, so... Maybe I want to dial that back. I'm just talking. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I can totally uh, relate to what you're going through. And I think, uh, you know, it's, it's like you, you want to be merciful, but then you think of the consequences and then it's like, well, when is this going to get addressed? Yeah. And it's like... Um, so for I guess for me, uh, one of the things that helped me discern is just uh, what 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 are the consequences and what is mm. what happens to someone with their salvation. Mm. That's why I take the divorce thing. I took it to heart because I realized, you know, for me at least, it felt like it was kind of under under the radar kind of thing, like being swept under the rug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and it has such a huge yeah effect on every church yeah so and i was like and and i think it's a it's a primary issue because i I see salvation being tied to that and i also it's not just of the people who are divorcing remarrying but it's also the ones you're saying in the conversation in the conversation you see salvation being tied to it like in the way that people well i mean yeah yeah, as far as consequence Yeah. yeah um but you know other but before that like I mentioned like uh, the sovereignty of God used to be a really hot topic, mm-hmm. especially in my life. And uh, now it's like, not that I think any less of the sovereignty of God, um, but it's kind of like, I, I, I think it puts things into perspective when you 
when you've been confronted with the talk of like divorce and whatever yeah to to then put the sovereignty of god it's like the consequence there there is i guess an amount of deviation where salvation can be part of the conversation right if mm -hmm. you don't even believe in the same god you know and you're bearing yeah. false witness to the to the scriptures yeah as to what they say about god yeah you know that can get very serious but if it's you know with arminianism and calvinism you know those are t titles i guess labels yeah for those positions it's kind of like um it's annoying yeah uh but maybe it isn't as deeply consequential yeah it's like you look at a. Uh... Like, have you ever listened to the debate between James White and Michael Brown? It's like James White is a Calvinist, and then Michael Brown, he's a, he, he's Jewish. Um, he's like a professor. Oh. He speaks like 12 yeah, yeah. Semitic languages. Yeah, the mustache and everything? Yeah, he's, oh, yeah, he's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And so he's, he's defending the Arminian side. And I'm like, look, both of these guys are demonstrating a high, high view of Scripture. Like, they're not saying, look, I know the Bible says this, but like philosophically, that's just not really... Yeah um like valid you know you can't you can't the bible can't say this and this so we just have to choose this over there. they're both doing their due diligence to harmonize texts that seem at odds with each other they're both they both have a a loving relationship with christ a fruit-bearing ministry they both hate sin like i look at both of these guys and i call them my brother and, like, if, if a guy, like, let's say a kid in my youth group wound up an Arminian and he wound up, like, following my, uh, Michael Brown and becoming part of his ministry and, like, leading people to Christ and bearing all this fruit, like, would that be the end of the world? Would the kingdom of heaven be, like, the worse off for it? And, I mean, I say that and I'm still very Calvinistic. Like, I'm, I'm sold. I am totally sold on the validity of Calvinism over... Arminianism so it's not that I'm I'm compromising on doctrine but boy like it, it's almost like and I don't want to sound like a pragmatist when I say this I have a hard enough time finding allies without saying that every Arminian is automatically like off limits to let's say serve in our youth group or to you know if I was a pastor to serve in that church it's like, if you find an Arminian who he is zealous about his sexual integrity in his, you know, relationship with his wife, uh, and he is zealous about caring for the poor, and he's zealous about the holiness of, of Christ and, and regarding the scripture with utmost of integrity, and you're like, yeah, well, he's an Arminian. It's like, I almost think that you can't afford to dismiss that guy offhand and to to just say, well, good luck finding another church out there. It's like, no, I don't like that doctrine, but I want you on my team. And I think that even, it, I know it's not a church, it's like a microcosm of the church, but with the youth group, like we have, I've brought in leaders that are of varying stances on, you know, a few different issues, nothing gospel central, but um, it's like I trust them. You know, because I see their their zeal um, for Christ and to make His name known and to pursue holiness. So it's like I have a hard enough time finding allies without scaring them all away. Yeah. Well, but you do come into practical issues because if you have, let's say, you have a lead pastor and an associate pastor, mm -hmm. and they don't um, 
let's say see eye to eye on mm-hmm. the sovereignty of God, their sermons might be different. Mm-hmm. You know, so there might be like two different messages that the, the same flock is getting, and that and, mm-hmm. and as far as a pragmatic level, that's that just doesn't that's not going to make well, sense. I, I think it definitely depends on how you approach it. Like if if you do the thing where you give the other side a fair shake and you're like, look, you know, I, I believe this. And then pastor John over here, like he would, he'd take this other view and here's how he would defend that. And like, you're just on, I think that it can stimulate a very rigorous and healthy conversation among the people that you're probably not going to get if you're not, but at the same time, I'm not, I don't like the idea of, well, here's, we're going to talk about eschatology. And so here are the four views and like, you know, just kind of figure it out for yourself. Like, yeah. I think that you do need to take a stance. Yeah. Um, but it's like where in as much as these are not gospel hills to die on, just kind of let them be um, fodder for rich spiritual conversation that gets us in the word together. Right. Yeah, I think uh, obviously there's, there's topics like that. And um, I guess what hurts is the ideal that, or the idea, but it's, it's really an ideal where the church is. Eric um, talking about ideals? <laughs> Anyways. Um, uh, that the church is kind of uniform in that sense. And I think in that sense, being uniformed is great. If everybody's saying the same thing, then there are there is not there's not going to be any confusion because mm-hmm. that's what's going to end up happening is there's going to be confusion and there is a lot of mm-hmm. confusion out there, um, but that's just not going to happen right now and it hasn't been happening uniformity yeah yeah for five hundred years yeah well at least you yeah know. for longer than that in reality it's it's yeah. Uh, so yeah that's just where we're at and you know I I don't want to. Uh, speculate beyond my ability as a human being uh-huh. but you know i think you could see that there there is a need for disciplining the body uh-huh. um, and that this is a great disciplining tool because what it does is it takes us off our own pedestals it humbles us and it and it um forces us to live and, and with one another bearing one another yeah yeah well just bearing one another really yeah and the burden of that yeah you know because it's like <laughs> man i find this arminian illogical and annoying but he might he's probably believing the same thing about me and my calvinism yeah. so it's like and and then it's like and right now his wife has cancer <laughs> so like you know <laughs> it, it's not it's not going to be me preaching to him about like well you know this is all part of god's plan and all. Yeah. It, like what he needs right now is like can we provide you with meals and can we like, like come over to your house and pray for you? And is there anything that we can do? Like so much of what it actually looks like to love on the body is not ivory tower theology. Right. You know? Yeah. And I love ivory tower theology, you know, (laughs) like that's pretty much what I feel like we're doing right now. But if this is where it ends, like what good was it? Yeah. So I uh, just recently seen a pastor who I had, a disagreement on um but but seeing him was was wonderful you know and talking and catching up and he was talking about the difficulties that he had faced and the exhaustion as a result of the whole pandemic and mm-hmm. like how you have people complaining that there isn't enough i guess 
measures, measures yeah, yeah taken to for safety and then there's people on the other side saying there's too many it's bogus <laughs> yeah and it's like it's all a scam exactly it's just like <laughs> man that's just uh yeah that's just terrible and it's just like you know i i feel for the person you know i want to pray for the person i want to love on this pastor even though i have this disagreement because he's mm. still a human being mm-hmm. human beings go beyond the the black and well it's not necessarily black and white but it goes beyond they go beyond theology you know they're far more complex than simple ivory tower theology you know okay so what i thought would be an interesting exercise um i have a list of 12 controversies um that christians largely wind up you know spending a lot of time disagreeing with and arguing over and if you guys think of more than just these then we can also do those and then it's like okay so we'll we'll name a controversy and then we'll give it like a i'll say like a one through four almost order of importance so if it's if it's a one then it's like someone couldn't if i was pastoring a church someone could not be an elder at that church unless they also held this opinion or this view if it's a two let's say like you know i wouldn't even want people teaching like in a sunday school class or uh uh like leading a worship ministry or whatever if they didn't hold this view if it's a three um then i would say uh, like I would not want to affiliate and like work alongside of a church unless they held this view. And then if it's a four, it's like, I would say, if you don't hold this view, you're not even a Christian. Okay. 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 Does that make sense? Yeah. So like four goes all the way down to like the most, what we think are the most fundamental views. Um, and actually I don't know that I have any of those on my list. So, but we can kind of just comb through this and I don't know if I'll remember what any of those numbers mean. But we can just kind of talk about them uh, one at a time. So, uh, Eric, you have the you have the list, yeah. Okay. Well, the the first one would be Calvinism and and Arminianism, or versus Arminianism. Yeah. It's a boxing match. Yeah. Um, Which we've we've touched on already so far. So. No, no, he said so far. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) So it's a four. Unless you're an Arminian, you're not a Christian. Yeah. That's funny. Well, some some people. Yeah, I mean, I've, uh, I definitely encounter people on the regular that would say that, like, they'd use the word evil about Calvinism. Yeah. They'd say that Calvinism is evil. (laughs) Yeah. Dude, uh, I got an Uber ride to the airport on Thursday from a Calvinist. How did you even come to find that? Oh, man, it's a long conversation. Well, uh, I wind up filling you in later. But, I mean, he picked me up at my school, and which is, you know, a Christian school that's also joined to a church. And he's like, oh, you know, do you go to church there? And I said, no, you know, I go to this other church. And I asked him if he was a believer, and he said yes. And uh, I asked him that how he came to the faith, and he said, well, I, you know, grew up Catholic. But then it wasn't until I was, you know, maybe like in my 30s or 40s who and before God really started you know, getting a hold of me. And so, you know, whenever you're having a conversation like that, you're like, okay, I wonder what this guy means by, like, God getting a hold of me. Is he yeah. saying, like, and then he appeared to me in a dream, and yeah, Malcolm right. X, you know, gave me <laughs> the, the the special, like, new sauce. revelation for, yeah, the special sauce. Anyway, and, uh, yeah, we just, I started talking about some theologians I like, and I was like, oh, you know, because he asked me where I am, and I'm like, 
oh, you know, I, I like Spurgeon, MacArthur, John Piper, those kind of guys. Oh, yeah, me too. And, like, I was like, okay, I wonder, is he just saying that because he's my Uber driver? And then, yeah, we, we wound up, by the time we got there, I was already at the airport. You remember when I said I wasn't going to tell that story? But and then did. I pretty much did. So there I'm a liar. So that's honesty. Right. I'd say that's a four. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, so Calvinism, Arminianism. If a person was not a Calvinist, would I be comfortable with them being an elder at a church that I was... And that's a one. Correct. That would what be was one. two? Just Two teaching. is just serving at all in any like ministry type of role okay, at your church. So that would be like, you know... Worship leader, teacher, outreach ministry director. Um, three would be like you would not want to associate with a, another church if they held if they didn't hold that belief. And then four is like airplanes. helicopters. Oh, oh no, is that an airplane? Okay. Uh, that's an airplane. Four is like if I'd say if you don't hold this view, you're not even a Christian. So I'd say Calvinism and Arminianism. It might be like a. Again, like if it's a Michael Brown, I'm a, I would be okay with a Michael Brown being an elder at my church, but he would have to be that stout. Yeah, you know. Well, yeah, because I was gonna say I can't give a number; I just give a range mm -hmm. of numbers because I think it could go anywhere from like a point five <laughs> to maybe like a a three. Or okay. Because there's okay, so because like open theism, <clears throat> but but that's not necessarily yeah, that's not Arminian. Calvinism versus Arminianism. But that doesn't mean there aren't Arminians who say they're Arminians but are actually open theists. That's the problem. Because I've encountered that. You're saying functionally, and they just don't yeah. know the word for it, yeah. or yeah. yeah, that's that's actually true. But let's say classical Arminian, I would say a point five to maybe a two at the most. Yeah, I'm kind of forgetting what the numbers mean. I would be okay with a. Arminian even being an elder at my church if yeah. you understood their walk with Christ and yeah. like you you understood the integrity with which they view the word and all that kind of stuff yeah so I think there's a pastor at my church that's open theist really that would make me really uncomfortable yeah but he's like, like so define omniscient <laughs> open theism for those of you who are listening means that you believe that God does not know the future that's why his church is called Discovery. <laughs> <laughs> you know, God's kind God's of figured it out just like the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, it's funny. Well, we just outed his church. <laughs> so don't go to Discovery Cove. No. Discovery Channel, Discovery, Discovery Channel. Cove, <laughs> Discovery Foundation, because uh, they have an elder that's an open theist. So, I mean, but the fact is, this is like a real-life situation for you. So what do you feel about 1 through 4 on the Calvinism, Arminianism? Debacle. Debacle. Well, I think I agree with Travis that, like, if someone like Michael Brown, you know, mm -hmm. were to be an elder, I, I think I would be just fine with that. Right, right. Um, I think you would have to take, I mean, you're going to be interviewing this person. You're going to be, like, mm -hmm. you know, uh, extensive. Them, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, lots of questions, and you're going to know these people. So you're going to be able to, you know, find the red flags or whatever um but yeah once you once you ask these questions the truth will come out of yeah how they view the sovereignty of god so and how they view the scriptures you know if it's like a 
if they're if they're handling the scriptures with integrity versus if they're just saying, well, I don't think this is really reconcilable, so I prefer to emphasize these passages over these passages. Right. Yeah. So that, that's where I'm at. It's not not. So are we calling it a zero? <laughs> uh, no, I wouldn't say a zero. I think um, with like I don't necessarily. I might not want an elder who's mm-hmm. an Arminian because of the things that he would teach that make mm-hmm. no sense. Yeah. Um, and and honestly, it might bleed into other things that. Yeah. Uh, that that might just get just might get messy. So that's why I said point five to like. Maybe, probably two or three. Maybe point five to two point five. Okay. Because three was not affiliated. It's interesting, yeah. Because I gave these integers, and it's like we, you'd really have to say and a half. Yeah. Like it's yeah. a one and a half. So yeah. I'd be I'd be comfortable with someone leading, let's say a a, a Bible study at our church or a, a small group or whatever, but not being a pastor. Right. Okay. Okay. So. Uh, the the next one would be Young Earth versus Old Earth. Yeah, and this is I, I'm thinking like I really think everything on that list is some is a hill that I used to think was dying. Hmm. Like you must die on this hill. What's Calvinism? Um Young Earth, Old Earth. Yeah, I'd I'd be okay with an elder who's older again as long as I knew um their heart and that they're treating the text with integrity. So, I feel like I just don't have that much to say about that one. Um, is there a general young earth and a general old earth? Or do they also have these varieties? Yeah, I mean, I think the three big ones to, to talk about would be... Um, so, young earth as in six-day literal creationism. Right. Um, old earth as in, like, people would even say unto theistic evolution that the big bang and the evolutionary process is all real and that god sovereignly oversaw and guided that process um and then you'd have the more i guess historic old earth view which is you know the earth is billions and millions of years old but there also is a historic adam and eve that were created um and that you know either god created things at different intervals or you know whatever it is um i'd probably say between a one and a two yeah so you'd want an elder to what the, the, well okay so yeah let me just qualify because the only thing is like that bothers me about let's say a theistic evolution like that position mm-hmm is whether or not they believe that Adam and Eve were historical people. Now, and I don't know if there's, a, you know, kind of like a divergence there yeah. uh, amongst those those people. But if they don't believe Adam and Eve were historical people, I, I just feel like that might be really going against the the plain understanding of Scripture. scripture. Yeah. And that's not from Genesis. It's really from, like, how the New Testament writers kind of treat it. You know, the first Adam and then Jesus being the second Adam. Uh, but that's why I say one too. But um, there isn't. I don't. I mean, from right now, I can't see that much consequence of what someone believes when it comes to. Yeah, it is interesting that like on a lot of the things on this list, it's like I don't really see how it is really going to come up. I think Calvinism, Arminianism, that definitely does, and then there are a couple others that are going to show up on that list that 
are very like day-to-day -day practical if, if possible what i would like to ask at the end um is to get like all 12 of these the opposite side of you if there was someone that was like opposite all 12 of these than you so you're saying so like an arminian who's an old earth who's a okay would you what would you rate them are you assuming that i'm not old earth no i i know you're old earth. okay uh am i allowed to say that was that no sure you're okay good. uh i'm but... already fired and canceled <laughs> and all that stuff. yeah but anyways uh so the third one would be you're uh, old earth now oh you're it's complicated a lot of this it's kind of like my eschatology like i see a lot of value in a lot of views yeah and I have ones that I tend to call myself, but I'm not die hard mm. in one camp or another. Bruce Willis. <laughs> die hard two, electric boogaloo. <laughs> All right, number three. Uh, credo baptism and pedo baptism. Ooh. Well, all three so far for me have been like, eh, you can be an elder even if you disagree with me. Uh, I just like, I would need to know your heart. And this is a thing. Um, You're saying that for this one as well. Yeah, yeah, even for this one, would, which think, is which yeah. is kind of a newish development for me. I think on this. Would the elder have influence on the practice of the church though? Because like, are you comfortable with the church practicing pedo baptism? Like the church would practice both, you know. Mm. Which all all pedo baptist churches also practice credo baptismism. Yeah. Uh, it's just that, you know, what if, if you're a pedo-baptist, meaning you believe you should baptize your babies, would you then say, like, hey, it's wrong for you, Christian parent, to withhold baptism from your child? Um, and then kind of hold them to that standard. So, like, you know how the thing... If, if well, obviously that wouldn't work. Yeah, that exactly. That wouldn't be functional to, to see that as sin, like, that would... You'd not be able to... Just like but if, if your had, congregation is, like generally educated about the issues yeah and then they can come to their own conclusions, their own conclusions and that's yeah. like something that's unspoken that yeah because i historically i've been someone who's like look denominations are good they exist for a reason because it helps people to function like it, it a church will actually get stuff done instead of just spending all day griping and bickering about whether you should baptize babies or whether the earth is old or new and all that stuff and they can actually get to work but then i'm like in practice even churches that are very theologically rigid, I don't feel like they're especially active in their communities or, you know, praying for the persecuted church or helping the poor or things like that. Mm. So what would you, what was the number that you give? Them? Zero. Zero? You know? Wow, zero. Yeah, so all three for me so far have been zeros. You know how it's like if you graduate from RTS and you're going into like a Presbyterian church, like you have to ascribe to the Westminster Confessions, but you can have up to like two or three exceptions to it. Um, I now that's not the system that I'm coming to. I'm just like, okay, so so far I'm at three exceptions for what I used to believe were die hard, uh, like salvation, integrity of the text issues. Yeah. Kevin, uh, you want you want to know my the, position or your number? The number on the uh, on which would give us clues to I think it would position. be a zero. For sure. Yeah, for yeah. me, I'd put it one or two. Yeah, between a one and a two. Yeah, I don't. I don't. So you want your elders to be pretty 
like consistent. Yeah, consistent or united. I guess is the word. One for. mind. Yeah, but it's just it's just like I don't mind there being Pedro Baptist in the church. Yeah. Right? It's just like how much like it, what you said was that there would be Pedro Baptism going on in the church, mm-hmm. and I I don't support that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. And and here's the thing, it's uh, I think it might give like a false hope, mm. um, but also understanding how that shapes your uh, view of covenants. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that's, it's a little more serious, and I can't give it a zero. But I mean, so you wouldn't let R.C. Sproul be that an elder at your church? No, and he he said to Alistair Begg, who also I I find the Jeopardy sound. guy. <laughs> no, no, you know who Alistair Begg? Yeah, is. yeah, oh, okay, okay. the Irish guy. He's or Scottish. Scottish. Same thing. Did to get it right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they will fight you on it. Um, yeah, so he he wouldn't let Alistair Begg preach at his church because he was uh, you know, was a Baptist. Huh. So um, this, wow. And you know, I mean, MacArthur and Arthur Sproul were really good friends. Yeah, they, yeah. So it's like you know, I but I get it. I yeah. get that. Uh, I think there's a difference in how they understand covenant and and the sign of the covenant and all that stuff. That it's like. One or two is where I put them, but it's nothing where I wouldn't affiliate with them. Um, and it's, it's kind of fun to to make some funny remarks about their expenses. Yeah, and I think that they're, like, if I would say, would not let a person preach at my church, that's more like a two than a one, you know, because I'd let non-elders, like, okay, right. Just, but, it, it would be people that I would want to be presenting a united message. Should yeah. two then be one? No, no, no. No, okay. So, one is like, this issue is so important. Or, no, no, no. Because four was like... One four is, is this is so foundational that yeah. if you don't believe it, you're not a Christian. Then it's like, okay, this is not... You're not a Christian stuff, but if you don't believe this, then I wouldn't want to affiliate with your church and like work alongside of you. And then it just gets more and more nuanced where it's like, okay, if you believe this, I'd affiliate with another church that believed this, but like I really wouldn't want that person you know, leading a ministry in my own church and then, you know, it gets even more nuanced where it's like, I wouldn't even want this person I wouldn't want this okay. person being an elder unless they believed this. So if I say one, it's it's like I don't want him in the leadership, but he's okay to maybe teach a class or something. Correct. Yeah, so one. Yeah. That's what I would do. Okay. okay. One and a half. One and a half. Um, <laughs> I should have given this more thought. <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's yeah. good. It's working. It's working. It's a work in progress. Um, cessation. Oh, so yeah, that's the next one. Cessationism and continuationism. This might be the first one where I'm like, I think this needs to be between a one and a two, maybe even between a two and a three. Just because, well, and gosh, does that say something about me? Because I go to a church where all my elders are continuationists. But I think there's so many dangers that you leave yourself open to when you say, I believe that God speaks specific words through people other than what's in the scripture. So like if a person says, Eric, I had a dream about you and it was that you're supposed to be a pastor of this church that's launching in Kansas City, Missouri. Now you have to like, go online and look at church planning movements in Kansas City. Like, you have to do it instead of just being like, oh, this is a crazy person, you know? <laughs> and uh, I I think that, I mean, it, it sounds mean. It sounds mean, but there's like a... That would be a, really nice, honestly, if I could do that. Uh, my conscience will let me. <laughs> yeah. 
but it's it's like you kind of you leave yourself open to a thousand uh, yeah. cuts, basically, like death yeah. by a thousand cuts. And uh, I've I've seen people waste a lot of time or like you know not capitalize on opportunities because it's like, look, I know this awesome opportunity is available to you, but I just get this feeling from the Lord that you shouldn't. And then it's like, okay, well. Now the person doesn't do it, and wisdom would have dictated that they should have gone ahead with it. And that's why I always say, like, you know, when it comes to opportunities like that, even if I have a bad feeling about something, like, and and I put a lot of stock in intuition, but if wisdom, if my mind says go ahead, I'd rather fail having acted consistently with the information that I was given than fail having acted against that information mm. and then just feeling like an idiot moron, mm. you know? Yeah. Well, so th- this is something that it's like, I, I feel like I would not want, if I was a pastor of a church, I would not want elders to be at least not overly given over to things like, oh, you know, this lady in our church had a vision and it was me and dolphins. And it's just like, she said that it meant supposed to go down to Miami. Yeah, that I'm that I'm supposed to be a part oh, honestly yeah, I like I was going to it it missions to dolphins. Yeah. <laughs> well, just like that sounds really stupid, but I guarantee that that's happened. Oh yeah. Like pastor, I had a church, I had a dream where like it was dolphins you were and a I dolphin, and a Yeah, you were a dolphin and like I know that this was God telling me to go that's down to Miami animal. to be part of a <laughs> to be part of a church plant there. Like I almost can guarantee that people have done Things that are that crazy. Because I, think, I know they've done things that are crazy. I think I would want my elders to be half cessationist and, and half uh, continuationist. Really? So that they like maybe just indivi- like balance like each you, other you out. Would want, you would each want individual? like six elders and three are continuationists, three are cessationists? Is that what you're saying? Right, yeah. Oh, I thought you meant each, each individual. individual. Yeah. That yeah. You want polar. <laughs> each individual to be half and half? Yeah, that, that it's sense. dumb, but we just thought you were dumb Why for a second. Why would you think the dumb thing? Dang it. Maybe that says something about how you view me. No, <laughs> well, no. Rather so I, than how I, you think. No. Uh, view you as a dolphin. <laughs> well, I knew someone who told me that uh, whenever their nose gets itchy, it's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> really? My nose gets itchy a lot. I couldn't finish it. Does this person, like, do cocaine? I don't actually remember who it was who said it. I just remembered that someone told me that, and I was like, that's weird. Wow. But you get... You know, you're like, should I doubt yeah. that? Is am I am I being uh, yeah? And and the thing is, right. so yeah. I That's I've the... said I've said Michael Brown, I've said R.C. Sproul, so now I have to say, look, Travis, would you not be comfortable with John Piper being an elder at your church? And it's like, okay, I, of course I would. So how about Francis Chan? Francis Chan was there. Bum, Dang bum, man, bum. I I, I feel I, like Francis Chan is actually more risky. I, freaking love him he's 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 riskier he's definitely more risky than john piper he oh yeah like because you're thinking about the divorce issue but that's you know we'll get to that anyway so (laughs) yeah but i mean you're you're well i'm talking about specifically for this you're on an island (laughs) i i love francis chan i wouldn't i don't think i would want him as an elder at my church mostly because i think that he's doing what he needs to be doing right now almost as like a a John the Baptist type character who's just kind of out in the wilderness like you had said before Kevin he doesn't have a flock and he's just able to be this crazy wilderness preacher well, yeah I guess sort of like a prophetic type of person yeah yeah um, I, I think that that's yeah. his role um 
But yeah, I think I might say I would not want elders at my church to be continuationists. It, and that's if I had my ideal, you know? Yeah, yeah. Just because... Which is what we're talking about. It, those are the people who are largely going to decide the direction of the church. And it's like, okay, well, we've done the demographic work and it looks like this is a, you know, like St. Cloud is a bustling community and it's growing, so we should start a plant out there. And then somebody's like, but I had a dream mm. that like... There was a cloud, and it was dark and, like, rainy. And I just think that means, like, cloud. Like, uh, like we should not go in that direction, guys. And now, like, all the elders have to kind of baby toward this guy and, and not be like, that's stupid, get out of here. We have to say, hmm, you know, that's, oh, that, that's really something worth considering. We'll really have to be praying hard about this, and let's pray right now. And, and I, I don't... Like, I, I just would not want to have to, this, this is going to sound mean, but I would not want to have to waste my time um, babying a bunch of people who would keep us tied up in issues like that. Well, well did you say where, you, where you're at, Kevin? Kevin thinks they should be half and half. Oh, that's right. Sorry, half half. Each true. person's left hand should be a cessationist. So, um, I, I think it could really take any of the numbers depending on the way they are yeah how crazy they are yeah because uh, there is there are some continuations that i would even say they're not even they're not even christian they're just modern day david koresh david koresh which one's that branch davidians i should know this one. Oh, oh waco geez. yeah yeah waco yeah too. yeah so you know you yeah he was who... not a he was a he was a continuation yeah that was man that was a did you guys see the movie yep. Waco? The no. uh, well, I saw the Netflix miniseries. Okay. Yeah, right. It, like it was a journal? miniseries. Yes, yes, yes. It's yeah, it's like five episodes I mean, actually. It might, I it might probably watch it's, it. it's it's called pretty Waco, good. Right? You finished Chernobyl, right? Oh, I love it's not nearly as good as Chernobyl, but I think it's worth a watch. It's yeah. good, and especially like it's, with your love of the eighties. It was yeah. the eighties, right? It was early nineties. Okay, but you know, there's enough. Same thing. Yeah, there's enough overlap. Really good though. Uh, very interesting. Yeah, I didn't know much of the story, so. To watch yeah, that. Just, but yeah, you got I think the, the actor was the same guy who played Gambit in one of the X Men movies. Right? Oh, yeah yeah, 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 He's not a huge star, but yeah, he did really well. Hmm. Yeah, but I guess that's more fringe. So, like the typical cessation or continuationist, it's probably a two or three. You know, man. Okay, I I'm hoping that we have a similar view of what constitutes the typical continuationist. Uh. For me, but you I, just said a cessationist would be a two or a three. Did I say cessationist? Yeah, I think you meant. Oh, I meant continuationist, yeah. and the typical continuationist okay. would be Pentecostal because I think they number more. Okay. Than yeah. like a John Piper type of continuationist. Yeah. Um, and I've been in plenty of Pentecostal churches, so I, I do have firsthand experience, and it's like very difficult to. Yeah. Have this undistracted, I guess. Yeah. Um, Paying attention to a word and yeah. praying, it, it was difficult. But I'm not sold on cessationism either, uh, so it's kind of like half and half. I guess half. I guess that's the best way to do it. <laughs> like because you know the uh, someone's gonna be right, someone's gonna be what's wrong. What's the? Might as well get your odds fifty fifty. It's in get them some all movie. In the same room. Yeah. And let them balance each other. It's out. in some movie uh, where Maybe they talk about in people. Israel. In Israel, they have the the station that's called the Thirteenth Man or something, and oh, it's yeah, like yeah. they have the they have their kind of council, and they whenever they're making a decision, if if 
if they're voting on something and the first 12 people all agree on something, then the 13th person is obligated. He has to take the contrary stance and he has to research it. And, um, you know, and that way they're at least having to deal with that stance, even if, and it's like, okay, so 13 elders, one of them has to be a continuationist. Yeah. Still no for me. Like that's gonna be a no for me. Dog. I would do. I would do half and half, but it'd probably be really confusing. But I think it'd be edifying. But I, I think Kevin and I are kind of in similar boats on that topic. Maybe that you're both not. I'm like, not a hundred percent sold on cessationism. I'm not hundred percent sold on cessationism, like the typical cessationism. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm obviously not hundred percent sold on the typical continuationism. It's just questions. I also realize we've been talking about this for like 10 minutes and we haven't defined <laughs> like cessationism is you believe that spiritual gifts, tongues, prophecies have ceased. And then conti- continuationism is that you believe that those supernatural things continue until today. Right. right. In a nutshell. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's where we're at with that one. Five. Was that, okay. That was four. That was four. So we've done Calvinism, Arminianism, young old earth, uh, credo, con- credo and pedo baptism. And then we really uh, ought to do episodes that cover each of those things we could oh, yeah but i i do like the idea of kind of giving a flyover yeah number five is transformationalism which i'm guessing is also like reconstructionalism yeah yeah and then uh and then two kingdoms, kingdoms. yeah so this is this has a lot to do with politics and so transformationalism would say it is the it is the duty of christianity to transform the culture and the even nation that you're a part of so like you have a duty not only to vote but to protest to you know be an activist and to try to effect change in your to transform your own culture and then two kingdoms is this idea that like look you know biden is the president of the united states but jesus is the king of the kingdom of god and so you're you're kind of a dual citizen and you can put up with america whatever its laws are uh, but really, you're subject to King Jesus. And, uh, yeah, this this I'd put at a zero. Again, like, I'd be comfortable with an elder who took an opposite stance from me. Which I feel like if I become post-millennial, I have to be a transformationalist. <laughs> but, Maybe. I mean, I, I understand. It's not really going to jive with my personality. I'm not much of an activist. Oh, boy. <laughs> we have to... Uh, we ought to do a podcast where you're just fleshing all that out. Sure. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't really know what my, what my preference would be or what number, like, uh, I'm probably more like two kingdoms and just like the way that I live. Like, I don't really think about it very much, yeah. but the way that I live that out, I'm probably more two kingdoms, but same just thinking like hypothetically if there were um if if like the the church or the elder board was like divided on like half and half or whatever would there be a clash like would there be a serious clash of like um just mission and and um would there be too much conflict of function and i don't really i don't really know I guess it depends mm. how radical the transformational people are. Yeah. And what they. That's what a lot of these have come down to. Yes, I'm just going off of not that I know every single person on the sides of of the topic here, but of of 
some of the bigger teachers and mm-hmm. history and all that stuff. And I'm, <laughs> I'm saying all this because what I'm about to say it will shock you maybe, but I probably put a three or four. Okay. Um, because wow. I think that a lot of the ideas from from transformationalism, theonomy, all this stuff has created a lot of problems, a lot of like not good Christian witness and has been probably overtaken by politics uh, yeah and, and worshiping that instead of really worshiping God and, and so that's why I would say it may not even be a Christian it might just be let me just take religion this faith as a platform as yeah. a platform so it's it's not like I couldn't find anybody on that side that you know I'd probably say it too or like you know maybe not elder but teach a class or something you know be a part of church that I could associate with sure but uh, knowing people I I like, so I'll bring up a guy, Jeff Durbin. Like, mm-hmm. I like the, I mean, I think it's admirable how he has this um, mission to the Mormons because he lives mm-hmm. around that area. Um, and I've heard him speak or, or evangelize. But, you know, he'll, he'll also then will wear shirts to say, you know, uh, God loves the Second Amendment. And he'll, and it's just, oh, wow. it's yeah. like, <laughs> you know, it's like that's very troublesome and like it, it spills into other things because it's not just uh-huh. politics it'll spill into how you put the old testament into this new covenant and it could be uh-huh. rather troublesome so going off of that that's why i say three or four but there are probably people that i could do you know two or yeah something like that. it's just that's <clears throat> that's funny. i'm so I'm definitely not an elder i mean and you'd say you would not even want someone like teaching a, a class or leading a Bible study if they were of that view? I mean, they could, but it just depends on what. But if yeah. they're, they're going to go on this, if they're going to teach something where eventually it's like, you know, we need to be on the streets, we need to change yeah. our society. And they're going on a tirade about like... Yeah. It's just... Yeah. You're going about if they're just way. talking about Trump and Biden yeah. for sure. the whole Bible study. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know, that's where I'm at. No, that, that is a good point. You know, I mean... Uh, people say that politics is filling the hole that religion has left behind in America. Like people, they need a cause, they need a movement. And so team elephant and team donkey are the new, like the new idols. Yeah. So. Well, here's, here's another thought. I, in my mind, I'm sort of equating missional, like a missional mindset with the transformative stuff. So uh-huh. like that might not be right, but if that is, then I would want some transformative people like in my congregation and maybe as elders because I don't I don't think we're meant to just disengage sing yeah. kumbaya and isolate yeah. and be separate from the world like I don't think that's our sole calling I think that's yeah. part of yeah. our calling but I think it's do that and then engage yeah. the world and then let the light shine before men so that they see your good works and glorify God yeah. so and that's true like transformationalists tend to also be the ones who take a more firm active stance like against abortion and so like for the for the rights of the unborn um so that that is a good point like it depends on okay by transformationalist do we mean like a build the wall trumper or do we mean like someone who's very concerned with the rights of unborn children I would say, unfortunately, they're probably the same person. <laughs> or uh, sometimes, but I, I, yeah, like you, it has always come down to you need to know the person and yeah. do they have a heart of love Definitely. and someone who treats the text with integrity. Yeah, um, I think it just really comes down to the way you do it, the method that yeah. you, you take, yeah. and so, yeah. 
you just I think you do need those people who are mission minded but that aren't that don't don't think that the the podium so to speak the the political podium is is the tool to use for that for, for the mission to, to right less less the people. congregation becomes politicized and mm. yeah okay uh, complementarianism and egalitarianism uh oh. Mm. So complementarianism would say that God created the two sexes to complement each other, but that they are different and have different roles. And then egalitarianism would be that uh, anything a man can do, a woman can do better. Well, not necessarily better, okay. but uh, and and vice versa. So really, the big way that this works itself out in the church is: can a woman be a pastor? So. So if you're if you say that this is a zero, then you would also say you're comfortable having a female elder. Elders, yeah. Um, not just like I'm comfortable having a male elder who holds the stance that women can be elders right. at other churches, just not at this church. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, that'd be fine. Yeah. yeah, I think it's it's a one then. Yeah, like between a one and a two yeah. for me. Like I would I would not have a, a woman serve as a pastor or an elder and I, because I think that it's very short, sweet, to the point. Like, it's it's plain in the text. And I think that's what some of this goes down to is, like, some of this stuff is, it's like your view of it also demonstrates your view of being able to look at the text, see something there that you disagree with, and just submit to it instead of being like, well, let me read 12 books on why this doesn't say what it says and why it actually means something that it doesn't say. Um, so, yeah, I'd say between a 1 and a 2, maybe more like between a 2 and a 3. Like, I don't know that I would want someone, like, leading a Bible study or, or leading a uh, kids' ministry or a worship ministry or a, a small group or something if they held that view, just because I see a lot of the contention that it could spread, especially in today's climate, you know, of super wokeism yeah. so yeah yeah i mean so when you say something is a three you're saying that you wouldn't want to associate with their church no so i'm saying between a two and a three meaning if i was a pastor of a church i would not want people leading ministries if they held that view but at the same time i would feel comfortable joining hand in hand with another congregation that did hold that view to let's say you know do a benevolence ministry or uh, fund a mission organization or something like that. Yeah, kind of. I think I'm. But it depends if that if that church has a woman pastor that's also leading that ministry and sending the wrong signals by that. You know. But I, I'd say I'd say like let's say it's a uh, a soup kitchen. If there's a if there's a church led by a woman. And it's the only, and they have a soup kitchen, and it's the only soup kitchen in, let's say, downtown Kissimmee. And it's like, look, we can either just, we can either start our own soup kitchen and allocate all these extra resources, and it would be vastly inefficient, or we could just give them, you know, some money and, like, we can send some volunteers their way to help with their soup kitchen. I'd be fine doing that. You're right, yeah. Yeah. So when we say elder, just to backtrack a little bit. We're defining elder as essentially a pastor who 
who takes a, a leading of... and authoritative role in the direction of the church. Leading an authoritative role in the direction of the, the church, direction yeah. Of the church. So with regard to discipline, with regard to uh, policies, with regard to, um, yeah, just leadership. And uh, I'd, I'd include counseling in that as well. You know, the elders are the ones who should be doing the counseling, I would say. Uh, there's probably exceptions to that, but I'm pretty comfortable with it. I think at my church, the elders are mostly just like men, financial. <laughs> they are men. They're all men. But wow. I think they're. Dodge that bullet. <laughs> I think they're mostly like financial. Um, advisory type of thing? No, I, I guess advisory, but they're, they like. It's like a stewardship, I guess. Like they. Um, make those types of decisions on what to do with the finances. Huh. Church. I actually don't know what the elders do at my church exactly. But <laughs> That's okay. I, I don't think I'm anyone just does. Guessing, yeah. I'm guessing. But I guess my question like, would be, what if that's what the elders did at a particular church? Would, could a woman be Could elder? a woman be like a like financial advisor? Elder? Yeah, uh, yeah I, I would just really second guess that church's use of the word elder. Like, why are right. you... Why would you use the word elder? Because I, I feel like in the scripture the word elder has to do with like there's some vested spiritual um i don't want to use the word authority but like responsibility almost for the for the shepherding of the flock mm -hmm. so, it's interchangeable with pastor essentially yeah yeah i i think that that for the most part is true yeah well i'm yeah i'm not uh I don't uh, hold the view that like women should be pastors over men, and uh, I don't know. Like my my church, they have uh, female pastors who are pastors of women, and I don't know if that's like I don't see an issue with that. Like uh, a women's pastor. Yeah, it's like a woman's pastor. Yeah, again, I I would just not want to use the word pastor or elder in that case. I just say like women's ministry leader or like children's ministry leader. Like our mm -hmm. the the person who heads up our children's ministry is a is a woman. But they don't call her the children's pastor. Mm -hmm. You know. And I think that's a intentional, you know, decision to not use that word. For you? Yeah, I I was, I was saying like a one or two. Okay. Depending on yeah. The circumstances. What number are we up to? Seven. Okay. How many are there? Twelve. It's twelve. But oh, okay. uh, I think that uh, for me this is not going to be. Yeah. So it's amel, premill, postmill. Eschatology. Eschatology. Yeah, that's a zero for me. It's a zero except if the if they're crazy. Postmill, yeah, crazy. Or if the premill, yeah, uh, might go further than that. But it's a zero. What are we kidding? What is it? The eschatology. Uh, just their no, view like on. The pre, what's the. Uh, Premillennial. It's like the Missler types of premill, like Zionist, like, like dispensationalists. dispensationalists. Yeah, I don't know if they're all. If you could put, like MacArthur in that same. He's a dispensationalist. Yeah, MacArthur is a dispensationalist, and I I'd be okay even with a dispensationalist as an elder, as long as they weren't like super, 
like, let's find out who the Antichrist is and let's try to predict the date. And guys, it's really important that America defend Israel, you know, right, in every, yeah, yeah, in every situation. And just are well, so focused on just end times. Yeah. That type of, yeah, that type of eschatology wouldn't work, but traditional premillennialism would be fine. So it's a zero? Yeah. Okay. Not well, good. you know. Yeah, that, with that exception. With that exception. So you can have exceptions. Divorce and remarriage. <laughs> I can help myself. Uh, that's actually on there. Yeah, that is on the list, yeah. That needs its own well, it's It's almost like it needs episodes. its own two-part yeah. podcast that we've already done. Yeah. <laughs> Available now on whatever you're listening to this podcast on. <laughs> However you're listening to this, you can listen to that. Uh, burden or guarantee. Uh, I'd say a between a one and a two for me. So elders, I think, should be united on this. Um, man, I might even say between a two and a three, just because it's so prolific. It's it's it is the type of issue that it does affect so many people in the church in a way that eschatology or young earth old earth or like a lot of that stuff just does not affect you day to day so i don't know let's let kevin talk and then i'll come to a conclusion yeah well i'm not really settled on a, on a position yeah <laughs> a position i guess i see i see all the information and it's just really difficult to wade through and like uh, land, you know, on a particular view of of uh, divorce and remarriage and all that stuff. But I know that I would want like the elders to be unified because it's it's just it results in like a lot of practical issues if if they're not. Mm-hmm. Unified and what they all think. So. Um, did you listen to the interview that I sent? I tried. It kind of sucked. It did. Like but sound quality, like... and then also like, man, they spent so long saying so little. Yeah. And I'm also I'm used to listening to podcasts like accelerated. Yeah. <laughs> so at like one and a half or well, yeah, uh, whatever the the speed is, and it was not in a format where you could speed it up, no. and I was like, this is painfully boring yeah. so i got through probably the first half yeah it, it, it i was... predicted it would be boring so i just didn't even try <laughs> but you saved with? yourself the time that i wasted <laughs> uh it was it was like back in 08 i think so hmm. it wasn't like that the quality sucked because of that i think he was doing it over his phone but um anyways later on i could tell you about it. i just give you a synopsis of it if you want but uh i was just curious um for me uh, I mean, a lot of these, there's always a scale, but like, mm-hmm. again, if salvation is an issue here, it's which, a four, we know, come on. Well, I was going to say a three <laughs> or four, um, but it's like, even for the pastor, if the pastor ends up n- not having salvation yeah. because of what he taught, then I say, well, I guess he wasn't a Christian, and that's why the four, but I don't think uh, it'd be healthy. And look, we're, I'm just thinking, or we're just thinking like, 
the differences between uh, what you believe on divorce and remarriage amongst heterosexuals. But I think you could qualify also whether someone believes gay marriage. Yeah, just marriage in general. Yeah, so. Right. That's why I pushed to three or four, and obviously there are going to be differences. Yeah, and that I I think that the distinction that I would make there is that it does have a, a plainness to it. You know, like we've spent time talking about, uh, like the exception clause and everything, but I think that there's a plainness to, like, homosexual marriage in the text and that being deemed, uh, unchristian. Yeah. That, that's not, it's not as clear with the heterosexual union. Hmm. That was seven? That was eight. That was eight. Okay. Yeah, we're getting there. Ecclesiology. I don't know what you meant by ecclesiology. Ecclesiology. Yeah, this this one. Uh, it it probably be like a one, uh, between a one and a two. So ecclesiology means study of the church, and typically what people are referring to when they say ecclesiology is like your style of how your church government is set up. So is it elder led? Is it congregational? Is it, uh, you know, is it called episcopal? If it's just like basically you have a pastor and the pastor makes the the calls makes the decisions um you have a diocese which is like you know you have a local um part of a branch of your denomination that kind of makes the decisions so yeah it's it's just like how do you believe a church should be run so obviously i think your elders need to be united since they're the ones running the church which kind of gives away my ecclesiology is that i think it should be elder led but i think there should be a congregational aspect to it as well almost like a republic where you have the elders make the decisions, but the congregation um, decides the elders. Hmm. So, and there should not be a uh, like a denomination or like uh, a diocese or like a, yeah. Uh, in in general, I think that the people of the church should be making their own decisions on where their money is going to go, who they're comfortable calling on as a pastor or not, um, and if you have other denominations where it's like well this kid just graduated from seminary and there's a church over here in maryland that needs a pastor and so we're going to station him there like i don't think that that's healthy um the people know what they need better than a organization like that a synod um (laughs) uh oh so did you give your number what was your question my question Wait, what? is, "What's your number, baby?" No, 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 about the synod. What was your question? If if that's what you mean by what's determining those yeah, decisions, like a a exterior like, body. The, the Lutherans call it a synod, or is it? The, yeah, Lutherans call it a synod, right? Yeah, and right. then for the Presbyterians, sure. it's what a presbytery, right? Well, I think <laughs> it's also a synod. Well, it is. I'm, I'm just saying, but that's I'm just like yeah. I want to associate the terms well, with the actual denomination that they... Yeah, they, it's the structure of your church government, basically. Yeah. Which is part of ecclesiology, you know, and then there's high church, low church. Do you have a liturgy? You know, it's just... Yeah. So for me, it would... It could be... I mean, I, I would want the elders united. That's granted. Um, but it's like, yeah, what are you going to teach? And, and uh, I, I think... You know, the, the Catholic idea of mass is wrong. Um, I also think the Eastern Orthodox idea of doing things is wrong. And I, th- I think that 
if you're coming to congregate, I think it's important that you, you kind of get it right. Um, it just may not be, it may not be that detailed on what you need to get right. But, mm. So it might go as far as a three, mm. but generally maybe a two. Or, I mean, obviously, I, I think it's granted that the elders have to be agreed on how yeah, they're going to do yeah. the church. So. Yeah, and then I don't I don't think it's another one that's on that list, but it would also fall into ecclesiology, and you had hinted on it with the masses, like real presence versus, so transubstantiation versus... I'm surprised you didn't put that there. Yeah, I think that might have been, that might have fallen into the ecclesiology uh, type of thing. Like now, I know that... Sacraments. And stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you see, this can get quite interesting. Yeah. And now, I will say that I think that mass, or not, not mass, but like... Your view on real presence, I think, might be a zero for me mm. at this point. Um, as long I think as Chan touched on some of that stuff in the podcast, he did. That, with yeah, Sprinkle. because that's a big thing for him now. Yeah. Is like, uh, you know, just an open. Because I agree. Like he he talked about how when he went to master seminary, it's almost like they prepared him for this straw man of what Catholicism or uh, let's say like Lutheranism or other high church. Um, denominations are and it's like look then i actually talk to a catholic about what they believe about works the the role of works in salvation and it wasn't anything like what i was taught and then you know i asked about transubstantiation i asked about all these other things so yeah i think that transubstantiation versus symbolic presence only um is a zero for me like i would be comfortable having an elder who believed in real presence but the other the thing is, well, if if an elder believes in real presence, what's that? Transubstantiation is a little bit more detailed. It's like more of a detailed document yeah, than just, than real, just presence. real presence. But it includes real presence, right? Yeah, but I think probably should distinguish between those. Yeah. So you, I don't know. I feel like if you had a pastor who who actually believed in transubstantiation on on like the staff or whatever. He that would could, not want to result... be a part of a church that does not hold that view. Mm. That's right. what I feel like, yeah. So. It just would result in some sort of conflict. Views on wealth and poverty? Yeah. Um, like prosperity? So prosperity gospel would fall under this heading, but also just like... Uh, a real question that I think Christians need to consider is a question like, is it ever okay for a Christian to own a Lamborghini? Right. Okay. I like that. I think that that's a, I think that's a legitimate thing that Christians need to wrestle with. Um, and I would say no. I would say no Christian has any business owning, driving, whatever, a Lamborghini. Um, because it says something about your concern for the poor and your concern for self-image. Um, and, and then people say, well, you know, but like, and man, I talk about this with my students all the time, and it's always, well, what if you're like a billionaire and you do give like half of your money away and then you just still want a Lamborghini? It's like, why? Why do you want the Lamborghini? You know? Um, it's fast. It's fast. It's flashy. It's cool. It's, it's like, okay, well, then that thing that says something really unhealthy about your your views of self 
and again, like I think, I think it shows a, um, just a, a some misplaced priorities, and I know that there are tons of Christians who would disagree with me on that. Um, that's a that's an interesting topic. Definitely, I mean, all of these are. I mean, the the reason I came up with this list is I was thinking if I was teaching a curriculum and I wanted to put together like a twelve week class on here are the most common controversies uh, between real Christians and I wanted to cover them like in maybe an hour and a half class each these are the 12 that I would want to teach on okay. so for me I think that wealth uh, that is probably that's between a 1 and a 2 for me so the elders need to be on board with not living lives of luxury uh, I might even say that ministry leaders don't need to be rolling into church in a you know, a Rolls Royce. Um, Mercedes? Oh, man, like, and then, and then I'm like, well, would I feel comfortable taking our kids to a youth group and, like, this pastor preaches there and he's talking about how, you know, he's preaching the prosperity gospel and the answer is no. Then it's like, okay, well, do I think that pastor is even a Christian? Mm. So, man, I think this one kind of runs pretty close to just running the gamut for me. Yeah. Jesus I, is is it right like money is the topic that Jesus talked about more than anything else? I yes. don't know that one. It's like money That's and what, then hell. I think. Well, hell, yeah. I know. <laughs> hell, yeah. Hell, yeah. No. Um <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about that one. Yeah. Uh, as far as if it's the most Yeah. But I think that uh so I think prosperity gospel, prosperity preaching, I think it's to me it's pretty obvious it's not Christian it's not biblical uh, but I think the harder thing in this discussion is you know for a Christian like what when is too much when is like having too much money when, what, when does yeah. that happen what's the line what's the line and then like do you have to be poor and it's like uh, is the questions like self-defeating in the first place you know, yeah is your mind in the right place I don't know. That's a that's a, I can't give a number because I don't know about that enough. Do you Two. <laughs> no, you're not. Oh, you're shaking. Okay, so so number eleven is stewarding God's creation. Uh, yeah, this would be like um, environmentalism kind of thing. Um, which I guess kind of also goes to transformationalism versus two kingdoms, yeah, so. because like if you're if you're and also your eschatology, if you're transformational, post millennial, then you you're probably also concerned about the environment, and you know that's not saying like oh uh, I believe global warming is the most pressing issue to ever face humanity. Like I'm not saying that you're necessarily there, but you're not gonna like pollution. You're not yeah. gonna like you're not gonna like littering. Right, because you think that it's that this is the earth that God is giving us to perfect and to to usher in a thousand year golden age. Um, so yeah, I mean this this one's I don't know maybe I was just kind of reaching by the time I got to this number, um, because definitely like it would make more sense to have the Eucharist be its own issue, and then we can kind of lump this in with uh, transformationalism. Versus two kingdoms. But yeah, just views on the environment. Like, then you have other people who would say, like, you know, drive a Hummer, uh, you know, 
nuke your enemies. Like, it doesn't matter because they're pre-mill or they're dispensationalists, and they're like, well, this world's all going to burn up anyway, and God's going to create a new one, so. MacArthur has said some weird things. Yeah. Like, wow, I would not want to have that perspective on yeah, how to treat God's on the environment. creation. It's like... Yeah, but he's also like, you know, he's kind of America's grandpa or American conservative evangelicalism's grandpa. Right. So he talks like that. But. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know if you want to just throw number 12 in there because 12 has to do with the left and the right. Yeah. And uh, this would. So. So it's it just says left versus right. Or what's it say? Left handed versus right handed. Yeah, so if you're left-handed, you you really need to Definitely train your children should not be of an elder. to yeah <laughs> yeah uh, no left-handed no, it, just says, it, just says, <laughs> it just says the left and the right yeah um so and then the, but really I think I think the main issue well you know people will disagree about what the main issues are when it comes to this um and this would also go to transformationalism versus two kingdoms but like okay abortion um. The wars in the Middle East. Um, what are things? Which actually, that's not even a left-right issue because the the establishment left and the establishment right are both pro-war, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I I think really wokeism and then abortion would be the main things that would fall into this category. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd want elders on board. Definitely. Um, I don't really think I could have an... Oh, man. It depends on the issue that you're talking about. Because like, yeah. I would not want a ministry leader who's like, yeah, you know, it's a woman's right to choose, and it's her body, and so she should be able to just kill, you know, the, the baby that's in there. Okay, so maybe we could... Because, um, like, I was also thinking, like, the transgender issues that, that's becoming more and more popular. Like, mm-hmm. what if someone can... Isn't this really maybe... I don't know if it's too simplistic, but can we boil this down to pro-choice, pro-life? Yeah, instead of viewing all these different things. Well, I think right. that's just as an obvious, it's like an obvious uh, juxtaposition. So would you put it at a four? If you're pro-choice? Would you say that it is impossible for someone to be you're pro-choice? Four, you're in the four area. Because huh. four Eric, <laughs> Eric is pretty pro-choice. From that abortion podcast that we did a while back. You're like, oh yeah, abortion is fine. And it's I a woman's did. right. It you, should, you should listen to that. I did. But I don't remember saying that. I think it was just... Uh, I'm pro-choice. I am poorly representing you. That's... Kind of on purpose. Well, but this is good because it's like... You know, I do believe that in this country... it's That people should have a choice. Because here's what's going to feed into this. is the transformationalism. is. Mm-hmm. The idea that uh, don't don't give them a choice, make make it illegal, and punish it by death or something. Whereas I'm not on board with that, but I think that people can have the right to have a choice, but their consequences after life. Yeah, well, so I mean, I, that is that is definitely a very consistent with you <clears throat> saying that you're diehard like two kingdoms. Yeah, that you're like, look, I believe that the way that justice is dealt out is in the next life. It's essentially and a libertarian. Take on yeah, I, I, but then you, but then you well, I think Christianize it, it and say, well, they'll they'll go to hell, so it's, yeah. all, it's all okay. 
No, I, well, I, I, it, because it's like, okay, would you say the same thing about murder? Like, right. I'm not saying murder should be illegal or that, like, if you kill someone, the government should right. kill you. Yeah. I'm just saying that if you kill someone, then, you know, the government should leave you alone, but then God Pro-choice will send murder. you to hell. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I think with abortion, it does become an issue of, like, this is a this is one of the government's roles is supposed to be to protect the sanctity of human life. So uh, Right. So, and I, and I would agree with that. I think that... Uh, but, but we just get that the government is not going to be the perfect... Right, so I would combat abortion the same way I would combat uh, murder, which is preaching the gospel and showing mm-hmm. them that it's, it's wrong now. But if someone is going to choose we're to murder about, me, We're talking about what your positions are, like what you think yeah. others should, should do, should the, government the government should do. Should the government outlaw murder, let's say? What would your position be? And then yeah. your position would also be, do I think the government should be pro-life or yeah. allow for that choice um yeah i think it's like i think you have 12 podcasts here or at least 10 <laughs> or something but um like or you no i'm not avoiding the question but i don't that's think... so interesting though that like i like i did not expect you to be anywhere near yeah. pro-choice i'm so i'm pro-life that's the way i mean you're libertarian in the sense that you don't think the government should have any type of role in, in well i think it's naive to think that the government is always going to enforce a choice on you that aligns with your beliefs so you have to be very careful how you because right now it's like yeah let's push for for abortion to be illegal okay but then you're not going to really what's next it. is murder going to be illegal <laughs> no, no it's not that murder <laughs> but it's like they if you give the government that kind of power and to legalize murder, <laughs> like it's not just to. No, I I get what you're saying, but it's like I think that you you have a really hard time because this is specifically a safety like health. This is the thing that the government's supposed to do. In as much as the government has a responsibility to do, to do anything, now they're gonna screw it up and they're gonna apply their laws haphazardly and uh you know not in a symmetrical way, but. It's like, okay, I still think murder should be illegal. Here, yeah, let, me, but... let me put it this way. Okay, you have an elder on your board who would counsel a, a person who, had a, who got a pregnancy out of wedlock that it's their choice, like just do whatever you feel is, is right with that child instead of no. advocating for that child's life and say you need to have this baby yeah. or you are sinning against God. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I'm on that second position but here's the thing it's it's not so that's to me it goes down to the two kingdom idea that i have where it's like it's up to us to use the gospel to prevent those things from happening not to use the government that's my issue and it's and abortion is not the only um pro-life pro-choice issue you got euthanasia you have even with the pandemic you know the safety Mm -hmm. measures that were, were being enforced like they would shut down churches do you agree with the government being allowed for that? Like, how would you want your elder to counsel through that kind of stuff? Mm, Which yeah. I think it's an interesting conversation. Are you saying a pastor shouldn't counsel an issue of euthanasia? Like, should this old person well, what be I able think, to be able to commit suicide medically? I, I think that that in you itself. You think a pastor should stay away from that? No, issue? no, 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 no. I I think pastors should uh, actually run to those issues. I mean. Should they have a position? Yeah, absolutely. What and I'm should seeing... that position be against? <laughs> yes. In other words, okay. pro-life. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I, In the, other words, the, not the, pro-choice. The point, the point of this exercise is not really to delve into the, the 
reality of the issue as a whole. It's like, okay, so would you be comfortable having We're talking an elder? About we, yeah. Would you be? I mean, we, we honestly are, but it's we're like we're talking okay. about beauty, but we're we're really talking about what divides us. Yeah, exactly. and, and that's kind of the point. It's like okay, stuff. what would what are we willing to consider right. hills to die on, and what are we willing to consider things that it's kind of like Adiaphora, you know? What I can I can love you, I can accept you as a brother in Christ, I can even work alongside of you, I can even have you as an elder in my church, <laughs> even Jesus. if we disagree on this yeah. issue. Well, and so I think that the best way to to approach unity is through this kind of um, almost concentric circles of, um, you know, understanding what is crucial. Because you wouldn't say, oh, oh, I know this person is an atheist, but I still want to be unified with them in the in the church of God. It's like that's no, that's a non-starter. Yeah. So that's why we're doing this. But, well, so, no, I, yeah, I'm totally on board. But I just wanted to clarify that. You know, I'm looking at the perspective of how someone wants to use the government for that. So it's not just their personal belief. The government as the mechanism right. to enforce which I think is which justice. Go, which would go back to the like you said, the two kingdoms. Yeah. yeah. But it's not really uh, it's not really relevant to the category of left and right. It is. Because no, because both of them could be wanting to use yeah, I use, mean, it could. to use I the government or, yeah. I think that just that might actually need to be one of our next podcasts is just exploring the issues of transformationalism versus two kingdoms and specifically how that would play itself out in, you know, we could do environmentalism, we could do abortion, we could do identity politics, critical race theory, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think... The point of this exercise, I'm I'm not just trying to nitpick and kind of, you know, start fires or anything like that. I really am. I think that this is, this is an exercise toward unity. What's One up? through four, an Arminian, who's a young Earth, who's a Pado Baptist, who's a continuationist. An Arminian Pado Baptist. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> okay. let's say it happens. Um, who's wait? What was the fourth one? I'm pretty sure Arminius. I'm pretty sure Arminius. Continuationist and hold on, hold on, back that's, up. That's where I break. Pretty down. sure Arminius was a Pato Baptist. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 anyway, moving. On. Yeah, he was. I forget that, but like most yeah. of them. Were. Uh, so, uh, continuationist, who's I don't know if you have a position on two kingdoms, but you're kind of leaning on transformationalism. Um, no, I'd say I act like a two kingdoms. Earth, okay, so, so that's what I believe. You know, regardless of what I say. Nationalist, egalitarian. Amalania? Dispensational? <laughs> Pro any marriage? <laughs> uh, has a anything goes... Well, what is it called? Is it, um, or, is it organic church? What's it called? Dang it. Like that. It's just kind of like an anything goes. Like anarchic church. type of... Yeah, but there was like a movement where it was it's I mean, very low church. I feel like it's congregationalism. With Quakers. Not, no, 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 this is... Okay, newer. anyway, so that, so that Quaker... Uh, owns a Lamborghini. <laughs> um, and also is a is a uh, serial literer. Lit- literer? Literally. I don't know how you... Literally. Someone who litters. Um, and is... Reads a lot. So He's far like... left. He's like the opposite of... The right. Tower of Pisa. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's kind of winning, right? Is it? Anyway. I don't know. 
I mean, that person would definitely not be an elder in my church. I, I'd have a hard time painting that person as a Christian. Right. Like, drives a Lamborghini, thinks abortion's fine. <laughs> like, I mean, honestly, like Sounds I said... like a real stand-up yeah. human. So I could not find myself in unity with that person. But they believe I, in abortion I, and thing, pedo-baptism. <laughs> thing, well, if they, if they really, make it, if they oh, make don't, it don't, 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 don't. <laughs> Um, I, I think that the telling thing is that with a lot of these issues, especially in the beginning, we wound up having to say, I would need to know the person. Yeah. And like a, I would be comfortable having Michael Brown or John Piper or John MacArthur or R.C. Sproul as elders in my, and I would feel myself privileged to be, um, working alongside of them, um, so it's like you really have to judge people based on their individual character and merits. And like you see in them a treating of the text with integrity, a love for God, a disdain for sin in their own lives, and a desire to see the community nourished and led into purity. Right. So, well, I was thinking if you combine all of these, that it might become easy. Too many strikes. <laughs> yeah, too many strikes. Exactly. Because, yeah. you know... People are going to hit one of these things on each 12. It's not yeah. just, I'm just old earth and that's all I believe. Yeah. It's like, no. Yeah. Would you uh, allow a proud boy to be an elder? Come on. <laughs> I would say no. But I also have a limited yeah. understanding of what they are, but I would say no just from what no, I do yeah, understand. Yeah, yeah. You've yeah. got enough understanding. You said no. Anyway. Yeah. All right, so yeah, we can we can talk about some of these more in depth in the future. Absolutely, but that's Look forward to it. it's been good. Kevin, yes. you stayed like an hour later than All you were way. planning on. Yeah. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time. Adios. See you later. <laughs>